You're listening to Do That Well with your hosts, Brenda Brown and Karen Thrall, a podcast about real experiences and how to turn them into life lessons, unscripted, honest, funny, genuine, and passionate, a series of conversations where we explore every aspect of human interaction and provoke each other to do life well. On today's episode, we will be doing part one of a two-part series that will be focusing on family dynamics. There was an article we came across, okay, and it's titled, There are six different family types, and each one has a unique family dynamic. <laughs> so, of course, it tweaked our interest, and it was actually Brenda, you, that said, hey, what if we do a, an episode of family dynamics? And the conversation that you and I had going back and forth, and what does that mean, and how do we talk about it, and what do we talk about, and... Yeah, and it just, there was so many thoughts. And so when we came across this article, it's like, oh, this is going to be a great way for us to to make that a base for our conversations. What was interesting is they described the pros and cons of each family dynamic, and which is great because that was what we, you and I talked about on the phone was what about the pros and cons? And so I guess before we dive in, a couple of things is let's all agree that no family is perfect. <laughs> Nobody gets a 10 out, 10 out of 10 score. Um, there's a lot of different emotions that happen in family. There's joy and there's pain and there's love and there's conflict. And so we want to recognize that, that we're not trying to paint the ideal family. We're just wanting to talk about the dynamics within family. Um, it's going to look different for me. It's going to look different for Brenda and for all of you who are listening. But I think one thing that I'm taking away from this is we belong. And family, if the message we could come across is you belong, we belong. And if that means you've got a healthy family, that's great. Maybe you don't have a healthy family. Maybe you feel really estranged from your family. Maybe you've, you've opted to build a, a new family with your friends. And so family is going to mean very different to you because you went, you know what? I, I want my family to be with my friends. Uh, maybe um, you're soul searching. Maybe you're trying to figure out what family means. And so all those questions are also in our minds. And we're going to use this article kind of like as a, a stepping stone for this conversation today. Yes, we are. And thank you, Karen, for, you know, leading with that, because that is something that's so important to me to make sure that, you know, we are recognizing that family doesn't look the same for everyone. So Mm -hmm. now I actually just got back from spending a week with my family uh, in my hometown with my mom and dad. And it's been a while since I'd seen my parents uh, because of the pandemic and life and things happened And it's probably actually the longest period of time I've ever gone without spending time with my family. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting going back for me and having a little bit of separation and and perspective that I haven't actually had in a while and seeing some of these old habits and dynamics and things, you know, (laughs) crop up. So I'm curious as we go through this article today, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling I have some new information that I'll be able to <laughs> share with you all. <laughs> yeah, because you're quite close with your mom and dad. I am, yes. And I would say for all intents and purposes, I grew up in a fairly traditional nuclear family, uh, which is the perfect segue because that's the first one go. that we will there talk we about today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So to dive right in, as Karen, you mentioned, we found this article and it outlines these six different types of families and what's unique to each of them. So the first one that we'll talk about is the nuclear family, which are also known as traditional families or as the elementary family, which I thought was an interesting way to describe it. But this consists of two parents, uh, whether that be married or common law, and their children, one or more children. And nuclear families can include children that are biological or they can be adopted. But the main idea is that there are two parents and they're raising their kids together in one family Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. I got to say, I thought it was interesting because like you were saying, it's a traditional, this is the traditional, this is what we see everywhere is there's a two parents, one plus more children. Uh, One of the stats they said is that type of traditional family has um, the the percentage of, of our population that is in a nuclear family has dropped. And it's still high. It's like 69%. But if you think about 50 years ago, this that number, that percentage of being part of a traditional family would have been a lot higher. And it's interesting that times are changing and, and it's just not the same anymore. So it's although it's still the most popular form of family, it's not highly popular compared to how it used to be maybe 100 years ago or 50 years ago. But that was interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I should also point out that this article was anchored around the United States. So right. these statistics are looking at United the United States. Uh, the reason I want to bring that up very quickly, which I think we will touch on again in a moment, is because my mom uh, grew up in Thailand, which if you listen to the podcast, you know by now. And over in Thailand and a lot of Asian countries, nuclear family is not necessarily the most common right. or traditional type. Yes. So just want to throw that I, out there. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that too, because it's true. Later on, we're going to, there's some other types of family dynamics. So yes, very glad you said that. So in the article, it mentions that there are five pros to being a part of a nuclear fi- family dynamic, which are uh, that it is typically, this is all generalizations here. (laughs) Typically, they're more financially stable because both parents uh, are working. The children end up being raised in a stable parenting situation. There is consistency. There's an emphasis on health and education. And there's a focus on communication. So as I read through these, I must say personally, again, as somebody that did grow up in what I would mostly consider a nuclear mm-hmm. family. I agreed, but I also disagreed with, I think, almost every single one of these points. <laughs> you know, financially stable because there's two parents working. Sure, it makes sense to me. I personally found it a little problematic. I, I don't know if problematic is the right word, but let's go with it. When With the point of saying that they're raised in a stable parenting situation. That that tweaked. I know. I noticed that one too. Yes. Yeah. That one kind of ticked. It ticked a little nerve with me, I must say, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. to me that implies that other types of family situations can't be stable. Mm. And and I disagree with that. Mm. (laughs) Um, 
I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, so much. I, and I, I do, I, I recognize that they're talking about a traditional family and these are the norms that you might see. Okay. So the, here's where my brain went. So thank you for saying that. I, for that, for a nuclear family, and I was raised in a nuclear family, my mom and dad, um, four siblings. So that was definitely the way I was raised as well. My mom was a stay at home mom. So her profession was inside the home as a, you know, stay at home mom. And um, I think though, what I want, I think what makes a nuclear family really healthy is when the parents are in agreement. Because if the parents aren't in agreement about parenting, like if they're really like high-fiving each other on core values and the things they want to really instill in the children, I think then the two parents are going to be very successful because now they're like, they're kind of shouldering the responsibility together because they're in sync. In a nuclear family, many times the parents are not in agreement and the tension and the strain that puts on the children. So I thought it was interesting that, yes, it's an ideal situation. And even the financial stability, some families in a nuclear, they want one parent to be the primary caregiver, which causes financial strain, you know, because they're sacrificing things to have one parent be full-time parent. So I thought, oh, you know, I had the same kind of, and I think like if your goals are the same, I think a nuclear family is going to be a great experience, but that's not always the case. So my advice to nuclear families (laughs) would be make sure the parents are really united and that they really they spend time figuring out what are our values and our goals we want to instill in these children, child or children. So me too. I had a little bit of a, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. And, and it's funny that you say that because the last point that they had, which was this focus on communication, I tend to agree with you. I think sometimes that communication actually isn't there. So my mind went to, well, focus on communication. Who, who's who's doing the communicating? Are we talking about like focus on communication as a whole throughout the family? Is this focus on communication through the parents? I think that focus on communication should be there, but I don't think it always is. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is one of the keys to not the key, but one of the facets to mm-hmm. having a nuclear family be a stable environment is when that communication piece is is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and communication is so interesting. And as we move, you know, especially because we had time to go through this article and, and I have some thoughts on that as well. So it's also like, what does communication mean? What do you want? What type of communication do you want in your family? Is it going to be raw and real and up and down and how much free, like there's so many different dynamics about what makes healthy communication. How do you thrive in a family for healthy communication? How do the parents communicate? What's the, how do they model communication to the children? So there's a lot there. Yeah, I'm with you. And yet I can see, I can see why this is a nuclear families have been upheld. I, I see that. I, I do can see where they, it comes, there's a stability, you know, consistency. I can see that. And I guess I'm just poking holes. <laughs> 100%. Because we want to do we want to do do family dynamics well. So depending on which dynamic you're in, let's do that that dynamic really well. So that's yeah. Exactly. And there's always two sides to a coin, right? I would say for the consistency piece, 
To be quite honest, I think sometimes the consistency that I did see growing up, my my parents are still together. They still love each other. They've been together for, I don't know, I think 37 years or something now. And that consistency that I saw in them modeled as a child in a way, as an adult, I actually had to reparent myself a little bit in that way Mm. because I was holding this expectation in my mind that I would be able to recreate this same consistent relationship that I saw modeled. And for my own life, that wasn't necessarily true. I needed something different for my Mm. own life. So... Mm So again, there's always going to be two sides to a coin, which Mm -hmm. does bring me to the cons of the nuclear family. So the article says that the cons of the nuclear family is that there can be an exclusion of extended family, which can lead to isolation and stress. Uh, They can struggle with conflict resolution, and nuclear families can become too child-focused, Uh, which can actually result in children that are self-centered or families neglecting other things that are important. Hmm. So that that one I did think was very interesting uh, because I (laughs) – I hate to admit it, but I – my family was very focused on me. And I I do think that, you know, like classic only child – I do have two half-brothers, but they are 10 and 11 years older than me, so I didn't grow up with them much. I would say for the most part, I was raised as an only child. And I, you know, I will admit that I think I was self-centered at times in my life <laughs> because <laughs> the the world was always revolving around me. My, mm-hmm. you know, my family made it that way. Mm-hmm. Love them for it, but... <laughs> I think like even in, in, uh, in my family... The whole conflict resolution. I mean, we weren't allowed to raise our voice, and we had to speak respectfully to each other. So that was that was not the place where you had these fights. <laughs> so the house was a very, you know, it was, it was quieter in that regard. So I don't know if I learned how to do conflict resolution because they did. You know, it wasn't something that they really promoted in the house. You know, and um, like I mean. I can, I remember so many times me and my brother, like, right, I'm yelling and, you know, having to lower my voice and use my inside voice. <laughs> but I do, my mom, my mom is like, you don't mess with her kids. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I find it really endearing because she's, you know, and she's very encouraging her children. Like she's the encourager of her children, you know, but you don't mess with them. <laughs> You can't deal with my mom if you're going to mess. So I can see where that, you know, that focus on the us, us as a family. The thing that I thought was really interesting, and I didn't think about it, but I do see like my parents moved from the United States to Canada. So we weren't close to any of the extended family. I didn't know that that was common in a nuclear family, that they become their own independent group. And so they don't always include extended family because now they're a family unit. And so their family unit is this how we do family and that it doesn't necessarily include grandparents or aunts and uncles. I didn't know that, that, that is something that's a con. Like, so if you're in a nuclear family to encourage you to reach out to your relatives and, you know, and, and reach out to other people outside of you to really build a community around your kids. I thought that was interesting. Definitely. I, I have seen that happen. Uh, 
with nuclear families it, with you know friends and people that I know I have seen mm-hmm. that happen where yeah. they'll start to really isolate themselves so I I agree with you I think yeah I think it's nice to make sure you're still reaching out to your extended family yeah yeah shall we move on to Let's family on. number two yeah <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this one you doing it Oh, I wasn't sure. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it was me or you. (laughs) You're so good at it. (laughs) I'll jump in. (laughs) So the second type was the single parent family. Self-explanatory. So single parent families are going to consist of one parent with one or more children. And the parent could be married, they could be widowed, divorced, etc., And in a paper by Elwood DT and Jenks C, they talked about how single parent families have actually been on the rise since the 1960s, because that's when they started to see divorce rates going up. And again, this is specific to the United States. Mm -hmm. So the strengths of a single parent family is that the family members can become very close. They can learn to share household duties and the children and parents can become very resilient. Mm. Okay, so I was looking forward to this one because I was thinking about, uh, like, I can list off uh, single parents. And what I see consistently is a bond and closeness that a single parent will have, like a friendship. Um, I, I find that single parents, and I'm totally generalizing, this is my lens on my perception, that single parents um, invest in a friendship with their children. And I noticed that there's more raw, real, like everyone knows everything. Like there's no secrets. Everything's above boards. And I thought that was interesting because it says that they're very close and it's a, it's a different form of closeness where they, they really lean on each other and they, they they share resources with each other. And I thought that was really interesting. I because of this article, I went, oh yeah, like there's an interdependence that seems to happen with a single parent, and that's the superpower. So this is what's wonderful about this episode is we're looking at all the strengths of each family, and the family, the single parent's superpower is the the way a single parent can knit and weave closeness and bonding with their children. That was cool. Yeah, I agree, and. From the people I know that grew up in single parent households, I will say I know people that really have experienced both. So I know people that have grown up in single parent households and they did really get that closeness that you were talking about, you know, and I think they were able to form more of a friendship and they were able to see their parents as people at a younger age versus always just putting their parents as this authority right. figure, right. Um, which I think is more common in the nuclear family right. model. Yeah. Yes. But I have also seen it the other way. Uh, and, you know, I can't speak to it personally because as we just mentioned, I had more of that nuclear family model, but I'm just from my observations of people in my life that I know that grew up in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it go the other way as well, where the parent may have been so busy trying to make their ends meet that they weren't actually able to invest very much time in their child. Mm-hmm. And so then that person inevitably was mostly raised by, you know, babysitters or nannies mm-hmm. or things of that nature, which mm-hmm. segues perfectly into the weaknesses here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. This is happening so naturally for me today. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, so the weaknesses of the single parent family, according to this article, are that the family can struggle to get by on one income, and oftentimes they may need to rely on social assistance. It can be difficult for parents to work full time and still afford quality child care. Um, and the parenting can become inconsistent. Uh, this is especially true if kids go back and forth between two parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, the thing that really stood out for me, um, I thought about this whole thing where the kids go back and forth between two single parents or not. I mean, you know, the, 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 the unit is no longer together. And the challenges, and again, it's that if the two parents are in agreement on how they parent, but if there's a strain of a divorce, the communication lines of communication can sometimes be really um, broken. And so, because they're trying to work through their own personal healing. And I would say to a single parent, if you're in that situation, for the kids that you keep remembering, are we in agreement on parenting? We're not in agreement on the relationship, but where are we in agreement on parenting so that the kids receive consistent? I thought that really jumped out at me is, is to really um, keep contending for that consistency so that they're, they're being cared for from all different angles, you know? Um, Definitely. That communication piece, mm -hmm. right? What we were talking about earlier, I think with all of these, that communication between the parental figures or the caregivers, I think, needs to be there. Yeah, yeah. I think also the income, you know, maybe another thing I would say to a single parent is it's okay to ask for help. You know, if you are listening to this and you're really struggling financially or you just you just never know what what might happen when you just let people know. Let's say, let's I'm making this up, let's say you want your child to go to a summer day camp, but you can't afford it. It's okay to make that known. It's okay to to say, "Hey, does anybody know how I could let make this happen for my child?" Like there's there's things like that, and I think also the pressure that single parents feel financially, and of course they want to spend quality time with their kids. They want that. They're, they're, it doesn't feel good to them. So for them to really like. Um, to speak that out, go tell your friends, tell your community, hey, this is what I'm struggling with and I don't know how to navigate it. It's You don't have to always be like the strong one, you know, and it's okay to lean on people. Right. And that's where some of that, what you were addressing at the very top of our episode, I think that's where you start to look at these other types of family models. Does your community become your family? Do your friends become your family? And even though you might live within this single family model uh, that we're describing, you might find something that's slightly different that does include community members, other people, and that is still a family. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a beautiful yeah. part of our society yeah. that we, we get to choose our family a bit as right. well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, the third type of family that this article describes is the extended family. And this is what I was alluding to earlier when we were talking about in the United States, the nuclear family, it, it is considered the most traditional family type. 
But in many different cultures, extended families are actually more common. And Mm -hmm. this type of family has been around for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So extended families are families that have two or more adults who are related, whether that be through blood or through marriage, and then typically with children as well. So, for example, as I was saying earlier, my mother, she grew up in Thailand, and where she grew up, the way that she was raised, to be quite honest, I there's so much about my mom's history that I haven't even touched the surface on. She, she has this whole other life that she lived in Thailand yeah. before she came yeah. to the United States, and I only know bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. really. But my understanding of her upbringing in Thailand is that her father was actually almost this sort of patriarchal character um, of almost like the whole village. So even though she had her family, like her mom and her dad, they had several kids. They had her grandparents that were living with them. And then there was actually a couple other families just in the village that even sort of lived with them and there were all of these and then they would have their grandparents and they would be a part of it too. So it was almost this combination of this extended family that we're talking about, but it was also like several families kind of all as a village, like co-parenting all these kids. So in a way that's a type of extended family as well, I suppose. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I love the way television shows and movies the extended family um, is is a popular topic, you know, and it it bring it's great comedy. So the the my classic is my big fat Greek wedding classic. If you haven't seen it, um, but it's the extended family, and they all live next to each other, you know. And so Corey Corey's family is an extended family. There's grandmother and aunt and uncle and cousins and siblings and like and. And I, t- I playful, this is with endearment and playfulness. But if I were to say, I'm just making this up. Um, I'm going to go see a movie. We're all going to go see the movie. Okay. Call uncle and auntie. Get get the cousins. We're all going to, next thing you know, there's 12 of us in the movie theater. <laughs> it's like, so when I got to the extended family, I went, yep, that's Corey. That's Corey's family for sure. And like for me in a nuclear family, I was raised with a lot of independence because of this thing that we are a family unit. And so that taught me independence. And Corey's family, the way he was raised is an extended family. And so all the relatives, and when his grandmother and grandfather were on this earth as well, they were all included too. And so it's been really cool to be each other's strengths in in our different family dynamics. And it's like, it's creating our own dynamics because of both these families, the way these both these families, but I, his in his family, there's always a buzzing with activity. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> so I just got such a kick when we got to extend family. Went, oh yeah, that's totally Corey. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think I think that extend families, from my observation, when that that's the model, I, there is like this energy around it, as you were kind of describing. And I don't know if it's just because there's so many more people involved too. So you just get like more of this energy that they're all kind of sharing. But the times that I've observed it or been in those, you know, scenarios around other people, I have noticed that there's always like 
It's a, it's a little more lively. There's a little more action happening in those sorts of situations. It's entertaining. You just sit it and is. watch. <laughs> you people watch because there's so many people. Oh. Definitely. So the article says that parents may live with their children and their children's grandparents. This gives the family the ability to provide care for the elderly. And in turn, the grandparents may also be able to help with child care when the parents are at work. I thought that was interesting. And I did think it made me think that I'm so glad you brought up your mom because the dynamics and, and the like, like the old world or the, the nations that are much older than us, you know, that have been around longer. And then the pioneering spirit that's within the United States because they left everything, everything to make a new life and a new path. And that's still happening today. I was, I was talking to a, an executive and that's his story. They, they left their entire family and they, they moved into the, to North America. So uh, you think, wow, like the dynamics and, and I can see where that does, you start to, you start to in, become this independent person, but yet they were rooted in an extended family. And I thought just the, the contrast between who they are today in North America and who they were, their family line from different nations. And I would wonder, what is that like? You know, what, what must that be like? Even for your mom, you know, when her whole family's in another nation. It's like, wow. Definitely. And you do make me think, again, I, I grew up in this more traditional nuclear family setting. But for my mother, having come from more of an extended family setting, I do think that she brought some of that feeling into our nuclear family because some of that independence that you were talking about actually was a bit lost on my nuclear family mm. upbringing because she did bring more of this like group think mentality to the way mm. that we did things as a family so it was always like we're doing this thing as a family and sometimes those boundaries were a little blurred mm. so mm. it's interesting yeah and I also you got me thinking this would be a uh, this is a great little pause to go back to people who are creating their own family. So I would say you're kind of like the extent of it. So for those of you listening where you go, you know what, I'm just, I don't have that closeness with my family. It, we don't, there's a lot of strain. It's not a healthy relationship. It's not good for me to be part, whatever is going on in your world. Um, it's like you're creating your, an extended family. The, you're, you are, you are hand selecting, choosing people to, to build community and family where you feel safe and loved and nurtured and cherished. And it's like your extended family. And so, you know, my advice to you is keep, keep building that community of family members, your sisters and brothers, and, you know, just the people that you really love that, you know, um, that there's this mutual, um, you know, the whole like fellowship, you know, around the table, like where we come and we dine together and we break bread together and we raise our glass together and all that. And I just think that's so cool. So I wonder if this is where people that are creating a brand new chapter in their lives with family, this would be kind of similar to what they're, they're creating. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting to think about as you're saying, because we really do get to choose a bit, which I know we've, we've mentioned a few times, but I think that's such a beautiful aspect of modern day life. Mm -hmm. You get to choose what works for you. Right. 
So the strengths of the extended families, again, according to our handy dandy article, is that <laughs> things like respect and care for the elderly are very important. There is more family around to help with chores, child care in case of emergencies, et cetera, and there's social support. And then the weaknesses of the extended family is that there sometimes can be financial issues uh, if parents are supporting several other adults and children and they don't have additional income. And there can be a lack of privacy depending on the you know particular living environment. The only thought I had there um, was this whole sharing um, resources and sharing lives. And that I would say to an extended family, um, how spread thin are you? Because you're so others, fo- you're so others focused, and making sure their needs are met, either financially, resourcefully, whatever it is. How are your boundaries? I would wonder in extended family if having just healthy boundaries and learning how to say I can't help you this time. I would imagine that'd be so hard for an extended family because that's what you do. You're there for each other, but sometimes you're spread so thin you just don't have it to share or to give. And I, that was my only thought I had about the, and, and I, I cracked up about the lack of privacy because in Corey's family, they all know everything. Like there's like, everybody knows everything. <laughs> so I, I just, I just thought that was hilarious. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, the respect and care for the elderly, that definitely jumped out at me because that is something that was very much so instilled in me as a child. And again, I think from my mother who did come from this extended family model. And so even though my extended family wasn't a part of my immediate upbringing, it was always very important and something that, you know, my parents made sure that I had a lot of respect for the elderly people mm-hmm. that were a part of my extended family. So that one definitely just resonated with me and and was a big, yes, I see this. I see mm-hmm. the, how that would happen in that family model. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as you were saying as well, Karen, the boundaries definitely did make me laugh a little bit because as I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes those boundaries were a bit blurred in in my upbringing (laughs) as well. And I think it was because, again, my mother having had that be the extended family be her model and um, seeing other friends that I had that grew up in other kinds of families, whether it was a single parent family or a nuclear family, and then seeing how those boundaries deferred from the ones that I had in my own upbringing. I suppose another interesting tidbit that I could throw in here that we're starting to see is that like many things that we talk about on this podcast, these categories are not cut and dry and that you may find that there's going to be crossover depending on even if you are living in a nuclear family or a single parent family, depending on what your parents or caregivers Mm -hmm model was, they might bring Mm -hmm. some of that stuff to your new model. Mm -hmm. Or as you're saying, if you're deciding that you want to choose your family and you're bringing in community, then that's going to change the dynamic as well. So Mm -hmm. these aren't cut and dry. You might not necessarily fit perfectly into one box. (laughs) Sound bites. These are our sound bites of interesting conversation. I hope that everybody who's listening, that you'll have these conversations as well, because it really does make you want to 
talk to people about, well, tell me about your family dynamics. So hopefully this will really be great dinner conversation. Yes, definitely. And I think you'll learn, you learn a lot about yourself and from other people by having these conversations. Yeah. That concludes our conversation for part one on family dynamics today. Tune in next week where we explore the rest of the family dynamics from the article in part two, as well as give you some of our closing thoughts on the family dynamics series. Bye.